0: So it's 11 o'clock at night, 20 past 11. We're about to go into a storm and we're back with episode three of three of Dara Carroll's inspirational life story. Um, so just to start off where we, where we left off um, last week, Dara, you talked about bringing the fire, to, um, bringing the fire from Norway to Dublin and also um, this boat pulls up and you had to talk to this... Uh, this person that was sailing the boat so talk to us about that and tell us what you were going through and what you were feeling
1: so i seen this boat and the character of the boat just attracted me straight away so i was like i have to talk to this captain what, what
0: did he look like
1: he was a big big fella with big gold teeth and a big hoop bearing
0: and just like a
1: proper, proper pirate, pirate it, yeah. like you know and i was just like i have to have a chat and i knew he was busy rigging his boat so i was like i'll let him settle for a while He settled for a bit and went over and I was chatting to him about his boat. Like, you know, can have a look around? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And uh, I'm looking around anyway. And he's like, well, what are you doing for the next few days? And I said, well, I I was off for three days. Like, you know, it was because weekends were busy. But he was like, I'm sailing down to Grimstead now. That's 50 miles south of where we were. Yeah, yeah. So it was a two-day sail. And he said, I'd love a sailor on board. I've been doing it solo. He had done 50 fifty kilometres from north. Yeah. And I was like checking me timetable thinking weather's grand, we should be fine, everything'll go well. So I jumped on board and the two of us start sailing and we started having a chat and uh, He starts telling me about this mad story about why he came in to the harbour. Yeah. So there's a little island just outside of the harbour. He was sailing straight past, he was going to the next port, Grimstead and He was like, he's seen this... The reason why he came in, he's seen this huge fire on the island and loads of people waving him. Now, I hadn't told him about anything that I was thinking before this. Yeah,
0: yeah, with the fire. With
1: the fire. So, then, I'm looking at the boat and I'm going, holy shit, I'm going to have to do this. I'm not really going to have to do this, Darren, why don't? And then then I started telling him about the fire. Yeah. And then he's like come back up to his house so we two days sailing we parked off we had the crack one night load of people came down they knew and we were all having the crack on the boat next day we went down to the next port and then he was like you have to come up to me house now open his house he has a out into the, really far into the woods from his house because he lived in the middle of nowhere up in the mountains like you yeah, know
2: yeah.
1: proper norwegian woods full of oaks like he was burning oaks you know, oak woods, oh, so many oaks that the, you use it for wood fire, like, you know, yeah, yeah. and the best wood to burn in a fire, like, you know. And uh, he then brings me to a hoof, and the hoof was where I seen the vision to carry the fire.
2: Yeah.
1: And the vision of what it would do to the natural habitat of the world. Like, you know, for me, it was like it, it said it would create an input, a pu- pulse yeah. of fertility when the fire lands in the centre of Ireland it will create a pulse of fertility for the nature and the whole society as itself. So then where he so brings when you say in
0: nature, like bees and bees,
1: everything. birds become more fertile, people become more aware of these things and the yep. world starts to change around that we're not the only living species on the planet, you know, and become yep. more respectable around the other living beings that are here. Yeah. And more living with them instead of living on top of them. Yeah. So, then he brings me to a hoof, which is another... They're ancient pagan churches, basically, where old pagans would go and pray and say if they were going to sea, they would go out and talk to the sea gods about safe travel and the sun gods. If they were looking for harvest, they would go to these places and say, you know, we're looking for a good harvest. and
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: A place of prayer and meditation for ancient Norwegians. And from there... He brings me out to this hoof, a big stone circle in the middle of the woods. Now, this was thousands and thousands of years old. He was like, I don't know how, like, archaeologists have never even came up. I've never told anyone about it. Like,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: So it was a very, very special place. Now, you could tell by the trees that were around it and the plants that were growing. Even when you went in, you could just feel the feel essence.
0: the energy and, and the it, it essence was thousands that, of years old, yeah. That
1: you, you were in a place that a lot of people had been with a lot of power in their visions
0: yeah yeah
1: and from there then i told him about my story about the fire and then it all just clicked he was like this boat isn't for sale but if this is what you want to do fuck, it's for you
0: that's nuts man just just at the time you had the vision of the fire you you were like, going crazy with yourself, you were like, no, th- this is too much, you can't bring a fucking fire from nothing, <laughs> and just at that perfect moment in time, after you've been following your heart throughout the whole globe, a fucking part of a gold teeth appears, <laughs> and offers you, you're sitting in this monastery where it's a thousands of years old, and offers you his ship that wasn't for sale.
1: Yeah, so we, I was then looking at this boat, because this boat was a Colin Archer, so I was thinking, this is going to be thousands like, yeah, this yeah, boat. yeah. It's like There's a vintage
0: classic. The vintage
1: yeah. classic. So these boats are like the holy grail of boat building in Norway. Yeah, yeah. So if you pull up to any harbour with one of these boats, people know straight away where it came from, what yeah. the character is behind it. So I was thinking it's going to be very expensive. And he was like, I'll give it to you for as much as I got it. And I got it very lucky. So it was three grand for the boat building you
0: know, 3,000 3, euro,
1: 3,000 euro, well, 30,000 30, 30, or like, in yeah, time, so you tre- know, for a boat that was working with an engine, and oh, he was like, if this is what you're wanting, if this is your dream, what you yeah. dream, I got brought to you for a reason, yeah, I yeah. didn't see that fire and met you, so he gave me tools, power, to, he was working with me to get the boat ready for this mission, and then he brought down a load of old artefacts and like a big Odin flag and everything for the journey. Because for him, he was very into the old uh, Norwegian faith of Odin and Thor and ran So he was then with me. The two of us said, right, we're going to do this now. Within the essence of the journey, I knew the journey. It needed to be that I was about to collect an accumulation of very powerful energies. that meant sailing into a north sea in winter time that was for the fire that was not that was something that i knew had to be done not something that i wanted to do but so
0: when you say so speaking about that you mean from sailing from norway in winter the worst time of the year with with the snow with the roughest seas to sailing to dublin you you knew that you didn't really want to do it but your heart was calling you to bring that fire on the boat in the worst circumstances A little tiny wooden boat Sailing by
1: yourself Yeah Yeah So That was for To accumulate The heightened energy Of winter time The heightened The highest Energy of the sea That it can possibly be at Yeah Needs The fire needs to go through that To collect enough energy To create that pulse When it gets to the centre Of the island Yeah So then I was like How the fuck did I get into this You know what I mean I was just like Alright But I was like In my heart and any time I was meditating, it just said, Dara,
0: you call him, yeah.
1: this is your mission.
0: Yeah.
1: This is what you need to do. So I said, right, I'm gonna do this. And I'm gonna need to be trained and I'm gonna need to be ready. So I got the boat ready, lived on it for a while, doing little sails around. Uh, how
0: long? how long did you live on it for?
1: I've been living on it since this October.
0: So you bought the boat
1: in October two thousand September. I bought the boat September two thousand
0: nineteen. And you had, you had you had a bit of sail experience from like calm waters in Mexico, obviously. It's a lot yeah, the, the, yeah. The Nordic Sea. But the Nordic in winter, Sea in, Northern, in winter I mean? so, It's a total So then you different went training and then trying to prepare yourself for that.
1: And yeah, and then, then I just said right. The fifteenth of November came, and the place that the the vision came to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I went there. Filled the boat with one ton of wood.
0: Just chopped trees. Like.
1: Chopped trees. I fitted a stove into the boat. Yeah. To keep the fire lit, and from there, lit the fire where the vision came to me.
2: Yeah. And yeah.
1: where I felt that pure essence of vibrational nature. Yeah. That I felt needed to be spread through spiritual practice. Yeah. So, then I lit the fire, put it on to the boat and began my journey on the 15th of November
0: the 15th of November of last year which 2019 so you left you left norway and it was what it was the weather what was the weather like then it was coming,
1: so 15th the November weekend. i was planning on getting back home boys start to december like i was talking to the fellas and they were like yeah you'd make it back to ireland well, from
0: from november to december in a
1: month to yeah ireland, so people yeah. were saying they've done it in four or five days now that's on a modern boat like you know with
0: an engine and with an there,
1: engine yeah. and that like but they had an engine at the time so i was thinking right if they'd done it in four or five days i could probably do it in two weeks three weeks to a month max you know so i was thinking 15th of november i'd be back you know, even if I was back fifteenth of December that's still grand. Even if it was a bit late December I'd be alright, like you know. But then uh yeah the the fire had a lot more to teach me than I expected, you know. Yeah. So I got into then it the weather was mad. It was So you left
0: on the fifteenth of November and the weather was like was bunkers obviously, but you were sailing, you were on your own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was, did, were you were you not scared thinking of death and thinking of like, you know, even though you were falling your heart and you knew that you didn't want to do it, but you you weren't experienced to sail there the sea, especially not on a boat like this. So how what, what were you what was what were you thinking? What was going through your through your mind when all this was happening?
1: At this stage I had fully accepted the mission.
0: Regardless of death. Regardless, regardless of so anything.
1: I knew nature was going to carry me
0: yeah. through
1: all this even though times are hard i knew that this was physically it, yeah. training me yeah and i knew that any good teacher is very harsh
0: yeah like like as in as, as in, in, the, in the, the Michelin stars the older the yeah. school the better the teacher because they want to bring you forward so yeah you've got that calling from nature yeah
1: so then i said if you want to go into school you're going into a very deep, dark school. Yeah. And that was getting through the storms. I always felt that these storms are going to teach me the teachings that now I have a crew on board and I'm confident. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now I'm a captain, but before then I was a sailor. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You didn't earn your stripes, yet, didn't
1: yeah. Didn't earn the stripes. So I went from Lilison son right. Down the east coast of Norway, right up the west coast to a place called Stravanger.
2: Yeah. Now, at
1: the time, I was like, I need a crew. Like, I can't be doing this by myself. So I put yeah. up a thing on uh, crew bay <laughs> to find a crew. Yeah. And two people replied. Po- well, a lot of people replied, po- but two people I thought were gonna match was an Irish fella and a Danish fella. Yeah. And the Irish fella was like... So,
0: so this these the Irish fella was in Ireland and the Danish fella was in Denmark, is that Denmark
1: correct? at the time, yeah. yeah. And we were only in contact through the internet. Yeah, yeah. And I rang the Irish fella and I sent him a lot of pictures of the boat and told him about all the journey. It was like, he was definitely over. All he told me was like, I have to get a new pair of waterproof pants and I'll be over <laughs> to you. So, so I, he was
0: flying all the way over from Ireland to, to Norway to go sail
1: in in the worst time of the year the winter to come over to see it yeah yeah that, that was it like you know in the worst time of the year i had put up that i was going to cross the north sea and be back down into ireland before yeah. the winter really kicked off off yeah you know so he came over and uh, he arrives and as soon as i look at him he's like limping down the road i'm bollocks
0: He's, he's when he say he's limper, like he had like a bogey leg or yeah Well,
1: like like, man, I, I was always thinking maybe something happened to his leg along the way like yeah yeah. yeah. and then he was like there was up six months ago i had, had this knee replaced and i think in the next six months i'll have to get the other one replaced and i'm going Fox yeah what did you get yourself in here Shit, for man. like like he's like
0: he's no use he's, yeah, he's, no, yeah. he's one bogey leg and his other knee is about to go so yeah
1: and then I, because I put up that this was a very deep spiritual journey that we were carrying a fire through, a very stormy sea.
0: In before, winter, Norway—it's not, it's not,
1: no, not a mess with, yeah. No, no. So he knew what he was getting into, like you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. You said it on the. On so the he answer.
1: he was on the boat for about sixteen hours, and the boat was. I knew he knew, this wasn't, the game for him. Yeah, yeah, it was serious. You know, he he, he it was a it was a very serious thing that we were getting into, and <laughs> he kind of went. He's looking at the bow and you know. <laughs> boat was like going, man This is This is not gonna work Like Yeah, yeah. Cause he's going You're a complete man I was like I told you I was mad Yeah like. you, you says you, I were, told... you were Sailing
0: at the worst time of the year, yeah, That's yeah. what he was expected Yeah And he comes with his peg leg And he's like There's something wrong with you like, like, There's obviously something Fucking wrong with him Fucking hell
1: And then Yeah The two of us just Left it at that We both knew It was not gonna work He was looking for me To get all this boat reconditioned to a modern gadgety boat that you press buttons for everything yeah, it would have cost yeah. thousands to do that like you know yeah. so I was like right it's not gonna work he said yeah it's not, definitely not gonna work so he took a flight back to Ireland
0: he wasn't even 24 hours on the boat 16, 16 hours, hours, hours on and the he boat back. Back. And he went Jesus back. Christ.
1: but then two days later a lovely man from Denmark arrived yeah and he was a great man Bart from Denmark And he arrived, he's like, I love this journey, this is a (laughs) real adventure, you know? Yeah. And he was was some character, like, uh... so the two of us, we got the boat ready, we were having a crack, having the food. We went through one storm, one rough storm, but it was kind of inland, so it wasn't too messy. So
0: when you say rough, how bad was it, like, um, experiencing it, the waves was massive, like what?
1: Uh, At the time, the waves was massive, but the wind, it was 30 kilometer wind. Jesus So we were getting smacked with a lot of small waves Because we were kind of hidden from a little island that was coming out So this was like us going through a very stormy weather together So the two of us knew we were able to do a lot of manoeuvres Get everything kind of ready The two of us were getting used to each other other at sea He was getting used to my confidence I was getting used to his confidence What we could tell each other to do And what we'd be confident telling each other to do you know. And then we got to a place called Huggy Sund And that was when we knew When we get to Huggy Sund we're loading up the boat we're getting it ready and we're going to shetland now shetland was the big step that was those
0: that was shetland scotland is it or?
1: 256 kilometers across the north sea
0: so you basically you're leaving norway and you're going straight deep into the ocean in the middle of winter with no turning back basically no turning you're back. fucked if anything goes wrong yeah
1: um, if anything goes wrong out there like you have yeah radio and
0: but by the time somebody
1: gets yeah, yeah, it, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was always in full faith of the nature that I was getting into. So, but I also knew, at that stage, where the fire was at. I was kind of there was something about a solo journey that was in my mind at the time. Yeah. You know, before the the whole way before the fire ever got back to Ireland, it was something about the solo journey. Yep. and there was something in my mind that it was like you have to carry this by yourself but I, I just didn't have the full confidence in my sailing ability so I was like if I have another person with the full sailing ability we'll be able to do it but in my mind was telling me something just it needs to be solo but we went out anyway and we left Sun straight into the North Sea we got about 7 hours out now the first 50 kilometers of the North Sea is quite rough because it gets quite shallow and yeah, we got into the ship fairly quick.
0: And how, how much of the shit? Time like go, you're how much of talking
1: the shit? like five, six meter swells that are that are rolling. So the boat is gone. Like the Bosh. boat is, is going up and there's waves coming in. Like you could have in an instant, you could have a half a ton of water on board if a, a so wave rolls. The boat rolled.
0: starts flooding,
1: that. Yeah, well, what happened? We were using engine at this stage because it got very windy, so we yeah. down sails up got the engine going and uh, then it got so rough that the end the battery broke from its frame that it was in
2: Yeah.
1: and it landed straight into the impeller wheel Now the impeller wheel is a wheel on the engine
2: Yeah.
1: and I just hear this
2: <laughs>
1: coming from the engine room and I'm in the cockpit tied in to straps on both sides so if the boat rolls you don't fall out or you get hit with a wave you're not going to fall out of the boat so you're yeah. tied in tight like into the cockpit and... Bart comes out and he's like, The engine room is smoking, like, you know, you got to get in there. And uh, for me and him to swap over, for me to get out and get into the cabin, and for him to get out and get tied in, that was a procedure that took about five minutes to do safely with the weather that because was in the it.
0: The boat was rocking, rocking. The was bonkers, yeah.
1: Everything was going on, like, you know, for so for us, the manoeuvre was very, you know, it had to be quite sharp yeah. in what you were doing so by the time i got in i'd look into the engine smoke is pumping out of the engine room and the battery is just melted in half and i'm going bollocks because the battery is what's keeping all the electric pumps that's keeping the water out of the boat yeah yeah so then the boat starts filling the water
0: and this is when you were in the middle of the,
1: the middle of the, the well the we're, 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 we're about seven hours out still so you're seven hours seven out. seven of
0: the boat hours out. sinking
1: seven hours straight out like you know yeah yeah so and that was going like five, six kilometers all the time so we were a good, fair distance out and uh, then the boat starts filling with water like, and I'm in there because the two of us were getting very, very nauseous at this stage because the boat was rocking so much so we were already kind of weak in a sense.
2: And drained, yeah.
1: And drained from the whole thing. So then I get onto the hand pump and I'm working the hand pump, working the hand pump. Working to get the water out, yeah. To get the water out and uh, then the hand pump clogs, so then there's nothing to get the water out anymore, apart from buckets. So Jesus. then the boat, is, you know, you're ankle high in the middle of the boat, and the waves are still crashing in. We, that's when we decide we have to turn back now and get straight back to shore, like you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're heading back to shore, and we're bucketing and bucketing and so bucketing. You're just, just
0: getting buckets of water, trying to water, but at the same time the boat is waving side to side, so it's making it nearly
1: impossible. Yeah, by the time it. if you fill the bucket from uh down by the masses where we were filling it up. By the time we got it out to the carpet like it was, just it was, filling back up. It was half empty by the time we got it up, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we were booking it out as much as we could and we eventually made it back in safely. Two of us were completely shattered by the time we got back in. And
0: the,
1: the beds were soaking, everything was soaked. beds soaked everything is completely wet because ha- we had to lift the buckets of water over the beds.
0: <laughs> so you,
1: you think about it, you're, you're emptying half a bucket of water <laughs> onto your onto bed, bed yeah, like, while you getting it imagine out. if you
0: can get a no. in the, middle of the ocean,
1: yeah. So we get back in, we got into a harbour, and two of us are kind of sleeping just all any kind of way because it was still winter time, it was still freezing outside. Like, we had was no, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we had the fire, fire blazing, like you know, and I'm uh, oh, Matthew. You wouldn't be able to just keep the a few logs in the fire. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry.
0: Uh, about the interruption. There was sailing, and it's um, we says we will give you the best uh, the best experience of uh, Dara Carroll's adventures of sailing because while well, he's he's still he's a working man, he doesn't stop around the clock. So we're putting logs in the fire. We're in a the irish sea sea and we're heading towards limerick to collect the horse so uh yeah Dara, just back to um back to that there so you were the buckets of water was falling over over the bed and you mentioned earlier that the fire the the container of the fire fell out of place and and um, bart it was a bit of a disaster with bart was it
1: yeah because then there was no good weather for at least the forecast yeah. It was very bad weather for the forecast, so we were about looking at it going There's no way we're gonna get out at least in the next fourteen days. Yeah. So he looked at it, he had to get back to his life as well Because he only thought it was going to take like two weeks three weeks to complete the yeah, whole journey. Yeah. So he had to get he he had to get back to his life. So he went back to Denmark and I'm sitting there with a boat that's just been smashed up thinking, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna have to put this boat here yeah. for the winter time and just forget about this whole thing? And then a man arrived, he arrived up on a harbor and he was very interested about the boat and he lived on a little island, just off the coast of Hugisund And he said, I told him about the whole trip, we had a night in the cabin. And he said, right, if you wanna do this, sail over to the island, I have a workshop have loads of tools he's been living in boats for 20 years yeah and he knew everything he was like a sailor mechanic and electrician all in one yeah so he took me under his wing and he trained me hard style. like he was like man you're about to get into the sea you need to get shit together so he was like this needs to be done this needs to be done this is not right this is bollocks like what are you doing
2: yeah and i was
1: like uh right I, I I accepted everything. He was like, I'm sorry I'm being I was like, Man, you can be as hard as you want.
2: Yeah, yeah. He tell was me out tell me it.
1: what you what you think is straight and tell me straight, like you know. Yeah, yeah. So we went through the boat and he was off work for three weeks. So the two of us were flat yeah. out on the boat, re rigging everything.
0: Making
1: a perfect check. And then at night time we go back up to his house and we were cooking dinner and He'd be teaching me all about paper charts, how to use paper charts. Yep. If you lose all your electronics, how can you use a compass? Yep. If you lose everything, how you can maneuver. Just
0: manoeuvre. like a saint,
1: saint, like a savior, yeah? Yeah, so I called him the Saint John of Rover.
0: Because
1: <laughs> there was a little island called Rover that we were on, so he was my Saint John of Rover. Yep. That took me in, like, you know, and I'd always call him Saint John of Rover. He's like, I'm not fucking saint, like, you know?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, then it came to the day out of the blue this weather window just appeared out of nowhere and i didn't even have time to ring bart because bart was like if you're gonna do it give me a ring again if you have the boat and we have the weather bart gave me a ring on the day he was like have you seen the weather i was like i know and bart, the weather,
0: what was the weather oh, the was weather was,
1: perfect, was perfect perfect oh, perfect perfect for a three-day sail to shetland yeah yeah and it just popped up out of the blue so bart didn't have time to get over from denmark so i was like right the solo journey has to be done solo yeah so then i was like right I'm gonna go for it. Went for it, packed the boat, full of food, went for Shetland, and then the three and a half days was, it was magical to be honest. It wasn't even wild in a sense. It was absolutely- just meant to be destiny. Me- meant to be. It was beautiful, full moons, beautiful suns in the middle of winter. And it was just like, this is the timing. This is a sacred space that yeah, I am yeah. now sailing yeah, and through and this. You got is, through
0: the, the hardest part. Yeah.
1: This is why I was tested. Yeah. With the boat breaking down of how far I could go and how far I could push it. So three and a half days of just beauty. Beauty of all nature. That was in even I had
0: and all the stress birds and yeah.
1: birds with me in the whole way like. Six, people six. were like when you see the birds when you get the shell and I had birds with me the whole way. I was like, You guys are hanging around, thank you, like you know.
0: Amazing and um so you talk we talked about uh you mentioned earlier about, you know, first of all, um ladies and gentlemen, cabin fever. Well, I was only on the boat two days and I was seeing um people climbing onto the boat. The boat was rocking from side to side and I was freaking out. So uh you mentioned cabin fever, uh Dara. When you're on the boat when you're in the ocean on your own, it's a lonely game. It's uh you kinda start seeing stuff and you kinda start talking to the boat. You mentioned the banshee and other stuff and you also mentioned about uh if I'm correct you uh you do mushrooms or you're awake for three days on the boat. Could you talk th- could you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah so on the way over there was uh it was it was no sleep, you know. Three and a half days. Yeah. You're sitting at a tiller, there's no autopilot on this boat. So it's three and a half days going straight for Shetland. Yeah. you know and from no sleep just being alone at sea where the only thing you see is see the boat can start having magical events going on yeah all yeah. around like you know the, like the radio there was no radio on the boat but this the, the, i don't know it was just like chart music like it quite bad. Chart music could just be playing from the boat the whole time.
0: but you'd actually, you'd imagine it on your head, or no, actually you'd would be. No, you vividly,
1: vividly hear it from only the cabin. Like if I got into the cabin, it would turn off. But I'm sitting outside. I'd be listening to music.
0: But, but the, the music wouldn't be playing. It'd be no, all in your head. no, it'd
1: be all in my head, like you know.
0: Oh, so I thought when you were explaining it earlier, so chart music was was randomly playing inside your mind, but there was no, obviously there was no music
1: on. No, no, there was never any music on in the boat, like
0: <laughs> the <there'd, there'd>
1: be. <laughs> you know, people popping up in the boat that i had previously had experiences with, you know, people that I met along the way. Like, like, pretty, yeah, yeah. And they were, like, asking me questions about how, how everything was getting on. It was mad, because people Look, your were- your mind
0: was starting to go, but you were also on this journey, and you were, like, you were visualizing, because you were, you were at sea on your own, and these people you were seeing, seeing in the boat, yeah?
1: Yeah, so, along the way, I had, uh, I'd come to terms with the, kind of, hallucinogenic factors of not sleeping.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, so I, I kind of came to terms with that because it was helping me in a way. All the past people that I was meeting on the boat were telling me very legit things about things yeah, yeah, I needed to you, do guiding you, yeah. and guiding me along the way. So that was uh, that was quite an experience to revive yourself or deprive yourself of say sleep, but then your energy starts to excel.
0: Yeah, yeah. You find extra energy. yes yeah.
1: it's like. Uh, Fasting, yeah, of food. Yeah. No, I didn't fast. The food I had loads of food and everything on board, but it's kind of the same aspects of why someone would fast. they have visions of higher powers, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of getting that and feeling that in my body of becoming a higher power myself. Yeah. So then the sun came up on uh, I think it was a Sunday morning, and I just see the sun coming up on this huge cliff, and I just see Shetland, and then that's when. I knew this was all meant to be yeah because I, yeah. I hadn't made it across the north sea you now that was the biggest hurdle you know yeah and then arriving at Chetton arrived in the port and i was talking to people i came in my head is all over the place like you know and yeah, yeah. everyone telling been through like, the wars yeah you know and uh, everything that had happened i arrived at the port and, Port authority came down and they were like, "Where did you just come from?" You know, and they were looking at the go customs office straight away. And my brain was just like, "Oh, customs office, oh, shit!" Yeah, like, you know, relax, down just go to sleep. Like, <laughs> but then at that stage, I was like, you know, almost high completely because. I oh know. Yeah, if you've, you've set your out your
0: dreams, you've you've smashed it and you've sailed from Norway to the bloody Scotland and and Ireland in the roughest time of the year with a wooden little boat when the boat was sinking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then I got to Shetland and I was like, to make, I, can, I still had the ambition of making a home for Christmas, yep. you know, so I was like I can still stay on the trot now, like you know I'll get two days sleep and I'll keep going on the trot, so then you had a little oil, fair oil and then you had Orkney, yep. so went for a sale to fair oil, got into the middle of fair oil and there's a little harbour in the middle of Fair Oil. Now anyone that knows it will know what I'm talking about. Yep. When you go into that little harbour of Fair Oil, there's a huge swell if you don't have a calm day.
2: Yep. So I tied up
1: the boat in the middle of Fair Oil and it was pitch dark, three o'clock in the morning, and I'm docking the boat, like madness. Dock the boat and then there's a huge swell smashing the boat, like I can hear beams and everything smashing the boat up yep. against the side and I'm like, I have to get out of here quickly. And I wasn't planning, I hadn't slept in 28 hours because it took about 28 hours. It was a very long sail yeah. to get down there. And to get to Orkney was then another 24 to 28. So I was like bollocks and I had about 2 days rest in Shetland. But I was like fuck if I had not own. I had planned on spending at least 2 days in Fair like, you know, I then I had to get back out at it at 4 o'clock in the morning. And start going for another twenty-eight journey, twenty-eight hour journey down to Orkney. Yeah. And that went. That was fairly rough. Then, like rough. But I had already been through so much roughness that I was kind of getting calm in myself within the rough seas. Kind of finding myself in the rough seas, finding the calmness of chaos. Yeah. If you can stand in the middle of chaos and become calm where I kind of found myself and started to see myself Com- comfortable, uh, comfortable yeah. in, in it. Like it's it, with anything. Like if, if you put an amateur in a boxing match, yeah, yeah, they're in the middle of chaos. Yeah, yeah. You know what of I mean? course, of course. A life professional, experience
0: though, yeah, a professional knows ways.
1: knows yeah. how to be a calm boxer. Knows how to be very calm and keep. Well, his
0: it's it um it takes hard work, work ethic. You know, that's how you how you got to where you are. Yeah. State. You know what I mean? with a life experience of constantly grafting and doing the same things over and over again. Yeah
1: so then we got down to uh, Orkney Isles now Orkney Isles was amazing because then I knew I was going to miss Christmas and everything so arrived in Orkney and when I arrived when, in Orkney when was
0: this around?
1: this was around say the 20th of December
0: yeah, yeah so it
1: was winter time winter weather was in like you know and I arrived to Orkney and I'm met by the the monks in Orkney, Orkney Benedictine Jesus. monks living yeah. on a little island they were getting a boat across and I was on a little Dodgy harbour that they were using also as well, and uh, the monks were over and I was telling them about the fire and everything and telling them about the whole journey and they were very intrigued by the journey, so they invited me to a mass, a midnight mass up in this small little cathedral, and I brought the fire up to the mass, like you know I told one of the fellows I was going to bring the fire but they didn't really fully understand exactly what I was talking about, you know. So I bring up this blazing fire in a pot to the church, like, you know, and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they,
0: they,
1: they don't get it, yeah? They don't that, well, I'm to portray, and then they kind of understood, so we lit all the candles for the mass <laughs> off the fire, like, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: And then the, the whole mass was in Latin. Oh, Jesus. It was me. all Latin, you know, and they had all the smoke and the dancers the yeah, yeah. and all going around. That was amazing, like and the next day they brought down bags of clothes, bags of food, filled up the boat for the next journey. Then I was in the local shop and the local shop was like, What are you doing for Christmas? And I was like, I'll probably just spend it on the boat and they were like, You won't, you'll spend it with us, like, you know. So then I spent Christmas Day cooking for a family in their house, cooking the Christmas turkey, I cooked them a full proper Christmas dinner, like, you know. And then worked my way down to Stromness. Now, there was one day going around this the west. Stromness is
0: still in Scotland? Still yeah. in
1: Orkney. Orkney Islands, oh, yeah. just up the top. Because I was following an old Viking trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Vikings used to go over from Norway, Shetland, down Fair Oil, through yeah. Orkneys, and then through the Caledonian Canal during winter because the Caledonian Canal is sheltered from the very harsh top northern Scotland. So. Went down through the Orkney Isles, and I got to a place called Stromness. Now, in Stromness, I was hit with the vast reality that the Caledonian Canal has now closed. So that was a freezing point for me. That was where. where was it
0: closed. What was it? There
1: was damage done to one of the locks.
0: Oh. So they it.
1: were doing renovations on one of the locks. So it was fully drained. Yeah. So yeah. there's no water in it. So I was then thinking. Bollocks. I'm gonna have to either stay here, try to keep this fire lighting the whole winter, and work, and save up money, but then, then a good weather, well I thought it was good weather, came, and a window came, and I was like, right, well, I couldn't do the top of Scotland. Mm-hmm. So I tried to go around the top of Scotland, this was not a good idea.
0: No, why was that? Why wasn't it going to
1: idea? it? was a very really bad idea. Well, it wasn't a very bad idea in the sense that I was sailing in the calmness before the storm, but as soon as I hit Cape Wrath, I got the full essence of why they call it Cape Wrath. I was going <laughs> around... <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: so I'm going, going around Cape Wrath, and everyone was always like, you want to stay really far away from Cape Wrath, and so I'm going around Cape Wrath, and I'm like, I wonder what all the the, the, hype, the, the, was, the right? hype was about. Like, this is grand. Then about half an hour there, boom. You're in the shit shit, like swells up the height of the mast and I'm going, holy... So the height of the mast, what's it about, 20
0: foot?
1: 20 foot, foot but... So 20 foot 20 waves? 20 foot and bigger that are rolling, like, you know.
0: Oh, so they're pulling it in and they're, But they're around. rolling,
1: rolling at the top, like, you know, as yep. in capping. So
0: Like blading surf bombs.
1: Surf bombs.
0: Fucking you hell, know. in the barrel, in the barrel. <laughs> <but it's>, uh, <laughs>
1: you know, so you're sailing around with barreling waves. Jesus. and then uh,
0: How did you get
2: out
1: of that? I How had to go... Like? So there was lock arable. Yeah That was around the corner and was a was a whole I turned then, went up around Loch because I wasted so much diesel I had 10 kilometers left to get to a safe harbor out of a 60 kilometer journey yeah. So I was like I put down the throttle now I'll just get through this but it picked up too much and I was like right there's either you turn around now or this boat's gonna flip
0: <laughs> so, the boat, the waves are that bad, they were going to flip the boat. Like.
1: Yeah, I got, got to that stage, like, you know. So, I was like, right, you need to turn the boat around now. Yeah, yeah. So, I turned the boat around because when you're surfing the waves, it's not so bad if yeah. you have them behind you. Yeah. So, I turned the boat around, start heading back down towards uh, Loch Arable that I thought I was going to get shelter in, you know. So, I went up the end, right down the back of Loch Arable. Dropped the anchor, and at that stage, everything was fairly calm. I had the anchor drop. I was like, This is lovely, rang me man, that and all. I was like, I'm up the highlands, you know, I made it to the top yeah, of Scotland. Yeah. After all the shit you've been through. Yeah, yeah, like the anchor was down. I was like, This is grand, like there's no wind or anything. And then Storm Brendan came.
0: Oh, Jesus. yeah oh. So that was, what was that like?
1: It was like, boof. And you know when I was coming in, I knew I knew it was all meant to be. When I was coming around,
0: so where where was it when I, when when Storm Brandon broke out? Where 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 were
1: you? I was at the end of Loch Erne, but when I came back from Cape Wrath, yeah. I could see all the faces of the elders of the islands Yeah, in yeah. the cliffs. Yeah, you know the shapes of the rocks. You could I see, I could look, see visions, all look, faces. the faces of very old elders yeah, looking yeah. at me. You know. And then when I got into the Loch Arable, it's like what I classified was a like a Coliseum where I could feel the elders watching me all from the tops of the mountains, yeah you know. And they were looking at me. And then when a storm kicked off, I could feel the power of them. Yeah, yeah. They were just like I was just like a matchstick that they could flick like you know? Yeah. It was just you could feel the pureness of the Vast amount of energy, yeah. so I so was the in the whole this
0: country wet on your shoulders, yeah.
1: It was, I was in this sh- I've never been experienced weather like this. Like, this is like someone thumping you with, what, the, what
0: the, the, with, the, the, with the waves, waves and with the, wind, the, with the wind.
1: Like, if, if someone, if you were to stand up and get caught by the wind, like someone was uh, like getting sharp, a like smack,
0: you. yeah, yeah,
1: you know, like a full whack, like even if your head was to get up. Into it, like, are you
0: serious? I
1: swear to God like your neck so, and everything. So I was bent over like this, holding the tiller. And down the, from the front of it. the boat was going up into the air and going on the side. And I the, the whole boat was on its side being pushed down. For me to get the boat straight, like I was full throttling it, knowing that the diesel, I was running on air and I was like, bollocks. So if, the boat
0: was like basically like lifting in midair. Lifting
1: and whacking onto the side and being yep. blasted down this lock. And then I go, I'm going to have to make a big decision here. Like either I abandon get as close to shore or abandon ship. Or I seen a sandy bank when I came in when it was calm. So I was like I'm going to have to sail straight into that bank. Yeah. So I full throttled it right up into the bank and drove straight into the bank. Now my look that when I drove into the bank it was the peak 3-hour peak of a high tide.
2: Yeah.
1: And that was two tides before a spring tide. So that was some of the highest tides of the year. Now, smashed the boat into the, the mm. tide. This is at about four o'clock in the morning because I've been battling all night, like you know. Yeah. And so it's four o'clock in the morning. I smashed the boat into the beach. Boards start to pop. The boat starts filling with water. I'm bailing her out, bailing her out, bailing her out. After I'd been sailing for like 28 hours, battling the storm for another five. And then I'm bailing like a crazy man, trying to keep the boat afloat, like not even keep it afloat, but just stop it from sinking, like, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: And then I bailed it out fair enough then and just keeled over. As the tide receded that night, I just keeled over and I was sleeping. I woke up the next day and the whole boat's full of water. And it was like six o'clock in the morning, well, it was like eight o'clock in the morning, so it was still dark, like, you know? and storm Brendan had ruptured through the place and it was
0: so the boat started sinking what, what oh, was that? then
1: the then the whole boat went underwater so, so
0: yeah how far away away from shore were you when the boat was going underwater or?
1: so it was about say 10 to 20 meters from shore yeah where it was so I, I was safe enough in that sense but then i had to i got my phone and everything that i had Anything yeah. that was left, because everything that I owned was just floating around in the middle of the boat.
2: <laughs> everything, like the mad yeah.
1: sight to see, everything you've worked for, everything you've tried to do. Yeah, and you were so close, I was so, so close. close um, the... yeah. And then, I got up on top of the boat and I seen a little cottage Yeah. that had its lights on. So, I jumped into the water, keeping me phone and a few credentials that I had above, above waterline, swam over to the shore gone onto the shore, went over to this little uh, cottage, and I'm walking around the cottage, freezing me bollocks off, like, and uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, like no cars are even passing at that hour, and uh, went over to the cottage. And I'm looking around, like this is a fancy cottage, like where did this cottage come from, like, yeah, you know? Yeah. And uh, all real nice things, and I'm knocking on the door, and there's <laughs> no one there. So then I open the door, it's open, so I was like, fuck, I may as well go in. Yeah. yeah. Went in, had a shower cup of tea and everything. Who
0: was in
1: there? There was no one there, it was like a holiday cottage.
0: Oh, so you just, oh, the in door, in the of, the, there nobody there. There nobody there, so, there, so, so I opened the door, and like, day, I had a, a cup biscuits. of
1: tea, and I was like asleep on the couch.
0: Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> 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 and then what, what happened after that? Where, how, where did you so go? So then the
1: police arrived, I'm conked out on the couch, like, get out of the house. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, police arrived, <laughs> so we had the gaff. <laughs> yeah
0: so the place arrived how, how, how did they know you were there or what happened they were
1: so someone gave them a the ring that the boats the boat was sunk just outside the gaff oh i see, I see. you know and there were the fella must have went down and had a look and there was no one there so he rang the police so then the police were like maybe went into the house <laughs> you know <laughs>
0: So you went in a few biscuits. Yeah, come to these and all, yeah. And <laughs> No, <laughs> boy. Yeah, Captain Fantastic, boy. <laughs> and then, um, so the police come.
1: Police come they're like, get out of there. Because they think I'm a drug dealer or something. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. They that. don't know who I am. <laughs> yeah, so you're... I go outside and I only had this skimpy little jacket on, nothing else on. Like, you know, I took everything off and it was soaking wet, freezing cold. So I wasn't going to put it back on, like, you know. So I just put the jacket on that was still wet, so that was, I had nothing They're like, put your hands out, like, you know.
0: <laughs> You're under arrest.
1: <laughs> so I'm there putting my hands out, you know, cock and bollocks and all, straight out to the police, man. He's looking yeah. at me going, fuck's sake. And he th- he's still sketchy, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's like, fuck. who else is here? And I'm like, it's just me, it's just me. And he was like, stay still, stay still, stand there with your hands out. And he's scoping out the place, like, you know, while keeping a vast eye on me, like I'm making yeah, yeah. no moves. And then he eventually relaxes and I tell him the story and everything. And then it turns out that the owner of the land was a multi-billionaire from Denmark. Yeah. So he was a multi-billionaire and it was mad that I landed there because the vision that I had was creating a vast amount of abundant nature. Now his vision was a 200-year plan of rewilding the whole top of Scotland. So the vision I had, he had. Well, yeah, he yeah. had the money and everything to make it happen And he was making it happen Yeah Already he So was I was like there. So I was like I'm actually manifesting something here Yeah
2: yeah You that's know
1: from what I was actually carrying But the fire did go out Like you know The, the fire went out there So I was like Maybe the fire was meant to stay here Like this is why the fire landed here Because this fella This is All these little trees were growing up everywhere The whole side of the mountain was full of these small little birch trees Yeah yeah And they had stopped all the grazing cattle so that the all small plants and all could start to grow and there's 200 year plan of what the natural vegetation was gonna happen to the forestry and everything. So I was thinking, this is deadly, but I still have a sunken boat. What am I gonna do with this boat? Like, I was thinking, I'll just chop it up and have a bonfire and that'll be it, like, you know? And then the local community of the Highlands came down. And then, and then it was a, a whole other story. From when the, the the locals of the the highlands came down because that was uh that was the ones on the rocks where the locals of the highlands came out and uh they all came together, so that opened the highlands, yep. there's a culture of survival open the highlands because people wouldn't survive without say teamwork
2: yeah, yeah, in of
1: the highlands, so I was then on the rocks, the local fishermen, everything they came out when they were like right. What and Now, I hadn't slept, I got one night's, well, when I crashed, woke up, the police came, and then loads of people came down. And loads of people came down, and they were like, you have to get your boat further up onto land. So then they had a digger and all came down, there was like loads of people. the community came out to help community
2: you. The community
1: came out to help you. We tied the back of the boat with a digger, and I'm looking at the boat, and we're smashing it on from side to side on rocks with diggers, and I'm going, this is getting worse, worse, worse. And then we pull it up the beach, put it right up a fair bit of the beach so then i had a bit of leeway to fix it you know then local people came down with materials and i was with this fella called john and his transit van me and john blaring daniel donald blowing around the highlands like collecting <laughs> material like you know yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: best suspension in the highlands yeah do wooden blocks of suspension on the back you know and uh always helping him do a bit of fishing helping him on the boats and he was you know training me in about the ropes and how fishing works and how the local community in the Highlands work. And I was waiting loads of people. People are coming down, so helpful, like coming down with bags of food and everything.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, the owners of the cottage say I could stay in there for like a week, you know? So I stayed in there. Well, they didn't say anything, but I just moved out. He said, you know, I have to get back in the boat because I'm mean, getting no work done in this fancy cottage. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. sitting up with my feet up, just being like fucking hell. Like,
2: yeah.
1: And uh, then all the locals came down And we were working away, working away, working away. And within a few weeks, we had the boat looking well. Like, you know, the engine was still dodgy, but everything was back in ship shape, like, you know? And then the next high tides came that was gonna float the boat, but they didn't float the boat enough. So then every high tide, I was in the boat, bailing out the boat, bailing out the boat, bailing out the boat, but then the boat started smashing. So after, there's only one high tide of the month, the full moon high tide that was going to float the boat. The next full moon high tide, that floated the boat slightly, but then damaged it when it went back down because it was banging off the rocks. So then it kind of sank a little bit again. So then I was bailing out and kind of back to square one again, like, you know. Yeah. And at this stage, my budget is running low. But then the locals were out picking periwinkles. Yeah. And then... uh,
0: The locals were out
1: picking periwinkles and yeah so locals were out picking periwinkles i was like looking at the shore and i was like what are they doing down at the shore doing periwinkles and they were like yeah three pound fifty a kilo and i was like what do you mean three pound fifty a kilo like i'm stuck in this mountains like an hour and a half drive in the middle of nowhere like i've lots of time on my hands so then i was like uh they're like it's three pound fifty a kilo so i was like fair enough so then i started filling up sacks and sacks and sacks of periwinkles and they were bringing me down loading them off i was loading them into vans they were bringing them off and they were bring me back down cash so then i had a little periwinkle business going on so you were selling
0: periwinkles to make money yeah yeah
1: yeah so i was you know john he was a hardy man and very hardy man he was bringing me out at like two three o'clock in the morning you have a head torch on in the middle of winter and they take pride in their, hardy- their hardship in yeah. the highlands like you know So it was a very hardy job to do because you're rooting around seaweed for sea snails, picking one at a time into this bucket. Yeah. Looking at your bucket and just
0: constantly walking. Constantly
1: picking, picking, picking. And then from there I got I was in with like the Scottish travellers. So then the Scottish travellers, they were always down picking periwinkles. They'd take me into their caravans, you know, we'd have cuts of teas, dinners, and we'd all be out at two o'clock in the morning, all of us with the head torches on, picking periwinkles. We'd all come back, see what everyone got, like, you know, what did you make? Like got a few kilos, say you got fifteen kilos, someone else might got twelve, and we'd all have the band there about who was picking and everything. And then it came the day that it was gonna be the high tide and we had loads of buoys underneath the boat to float the boat. So the day came we had the engine up and running and everything. Now the engine was up and running but there was smoke pumping out of it and when you put it into gear it was full throttle and nothing. It was all and nothing. You put it in the gear and she was going like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Smoke blared at the back of the thing it was rattling like a mad thing so i reversed out on a very stormy day it was either that or i'm going to be there for another month yeah and then in that month the next month you mightn't even get a floating so i was like this is the only time i have to do it to
0: get a chance to get out and move towards Ireland, yeah
1: so i blared out <laughs> fly down the lock full of smoke pumping out of the back the boys are all driving around the side knock with the boy knock a is looking at me like oh, checking if everything's all right like yeah no. yeah and they know that i have to get to a uh, Uh, morning buoy and I have to catch that buoy and to catch that buoy not a difficult thing so I knock her into neutral go around try to catch the buoy miss the buoy the engine bursts into flames because I stuck it into neutral when he stuck it into neutral I don't know why the revs went off the chain so engine burst into flames so I'm just here boof into flames while you were
0: in the middle
1: of the ocean yeah yes but I was towards the coastline trying to catch a mooring yeah yeah and uh, I missed the mooring, and I'm floating towards the rocks, and then I boof because I was at the front of the boat when the engine blew up. Yeah. So I'm at the front of the boat trying to catch the mirror and miss it, engine blows up, and then I have a huge fire at the back of the boat. And John has his binoculars out, and looking at me, though know, he just sees the fire going out the back of the boat, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Everything we were doing was kind of sketchy. And John, there was like uh, rescue service and everything coming down to talk to John John was like no no he he has a fire on the boat like he has a stove he has going like it's yeah. all right because John knew the engine was dodgy anyway and yeah, John yeah. knew I'd be all right getting it sorted like you know because yeah, we yeah. didn't want to get involved in police or anything uh, yeah, like oh, that again sure. yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. so I ended up dropping the anchor got the engine put out the fire got the engine going again cut the mooring back off now then I had two months another few weeks making the boat ready then I was like, fuck, I'm gonna have to do this again. Get around Cape Wrath again. So then the engine wasn't wasn't up to scratch, like there was still smoke pumping out of it. But a fisherman said he'd bring me up round Cape Brat. Yeah. And this is when the fire had gone out, you know. But then I had realised the teachings of what I was doing. Yeah. That every true teacher brings the student to a point of breaking yeah
2: your breaking point before
1: he can rebuild them
2: yeah
1: for the privilege and the respect of what you're getting into you know yeah yeah so then i was like right i've made it this far i've rebuilt the boat it's floating so this is meant to be there was meant to be a dark time yeah And there was meant to be a time where I like, you're, your,
0: um, it's, just, it's like something out of you are hearing The Alchemist, it's like your personal legend. All the stuff that constantly kept getting in your way, but you continued to follow the path to following your heart. It, it didn't matter about the boat sinking, about the storm, about you know, the fire, your vision of constantly keep going, following your heart. Yeah, and it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah,
1: so then I followed that spirit, lit the fire again, put it back on the boat, went around. Cape Rat with a fisherman, mad fisherman, and got met by a lot of swells again. Well I got through these ones because I had the tide in my favour. And it was it was starting to get into springtime. So it was grand, made it around Cape Rat, made it down to a place called Kyle Lacash, engine blew up again. Then I had a big decision to make because there was no engine. And then that was a big step, going into the sea with no engine. Cause then you're just at the mercy of the wind, you're at the mercy of the weather, you're yeah, at the so, mercy so of the So no engine
0: from Top of Scotland
1: to Top of Scotland all the way down to Dublin.
0: From from Top of Scotland to to Dublin with no engine and it was it's like that was it. That was that was the, the that last was, call. That was yeah.
1: the last call, and that's when the real sailing began. Yeah, because
0: you're that's, working off the sails. You don't. You don't. I can't depend on an engine, everything, and you were by yourself
1: as well, weren't you? Completely by myself. So then, that's when I knew. Then this is when the coronavirus as well started to come started, in. So yeah. Now all the harbors are now closed. Yeah. So then it's all in lockdown mode. So I'm going, Bollocks. So and not only do I not have an engine, I don't have a harbor or a marina even to come into. Yeah. So.
0: And you hadn't got that much food supply or anything you needed to to get back to land, to get back to Dublin, to...
1: Yeah, so then when the when the virus came in and everything like this, I knew then, because I had made a fair bit of money on the periwinkles, like, you know? Yeah. So I then realized I had to fill up and stock up the boat Yeah. for as, as, as much as I could. Now, I was doing a fair bit of dumpster diving as well, like, yeah, yeah. it's disgraceful what most supermarkets throw out. I was going to the back of them and taking out the best of food, the best quality this is in
0: scotland this is
1: in scotland yeah and even for materials on the boat i was going to skips around harbors and everything taking out the best the ropes best the nets and rigging the boat straight from recycled materials yeah yeah Just from skips so i was recycling food recycling ropes all stuff that's been wasted just just
0: uh but back back at that point you mentioned about it's disgraceful what they what they throw out um because I've noticed you were mentioning as well about, you know, there's a lot of homelessness in throughout the UK and Ireland and the supermarkets, like all of them, they're throwing out so much waste what's uh, your opinion or topic on that it's, uh, if you could talk to me, why is it disgraceful that they're throwing out all that stuff
1: it's completely disgraceful, if you think about the amount of energy, time, materials and people that go into the process of creating all these goods, yeah. and we're throwing out most of it yeah like you know we're turning a huge portion of what a lot of resources are being used to make transport package yeah put on shelves and then we're even using more energy to dump it yeah so it just it's a cycle of debt. really that doesn't make any logical sense if we had any logical sense we'd be keeping everything local not transporting things vastly and yeah. realizing that we need for it Everything is valuable. Every material is valuable like in Norway. They have a great system for all these things that they freeze Everything that's about to be thrown into the bin. Yeah. if local people are in need of food, they're short on money They ring the local community officer He has been around all the superstores that are throwing out goods. He's freezed everything You ask your local community officer What do you need you say I need a week or two of food? I'm short on money and I just need a week or two of food. He goes to his freezer he takes out a load of frozen, great food. Says, "Here you go."
0: Yeah, and it just doesn't happen here. You see, you see it in Dublin, you see it in Ireland where we come from, myself. And it's, uh, I personally think it's absolutely nuts. You know, it's the only time you see people coming out feeding the homeless. Is, uh, I see is, well, they feed them. You know, they go out once a week or whatever. But it's Christmas, and it's just like. The amount of waste which is which is crazy and then there you have that what they do in Norway for the people They look after the people, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, you know. And, um,
0: so from there what happened you went you sailed with no sails to from Scotland to, to Dublin And you were coming in and COVID-19 st- struck struck bad, the ports was closed So how, how did you manage getting in or what what, what was going on there?
1: So then, then it was when I had to do kind of longer spells like 10-11 days out at sea yeah, without touching the ground, on so then own,
2: yeah.
1: that's when I started fishing a lot. Now, up the top of Scotland, I was able to catch a lot of fish, throw fish. Yeah, having a fairly decent food supply yeah. the whole way, like, you know? And you could, with the amount of currents and everything that was going around up the top of Scotland, it was very hard because sometimes you'd be in a five-kilometer current going towards the Atlantic, and there was mad waves, mad wind coming through. Yeah. You know, I got to Ballycastle, Eventually got to Bali Castle I was being dragged around Giants Causeway for a good few days, yeah, just thinking, like, jet. you know, I'd been 12 days out at sea, and I'm so close to Ireland. Like, I'm, I, yeah, you know, it's I so
0: can close see, but you can't obviously like, touch can't, it,
1: can't, can't get you can there, look, but
0: you can't touch it. Yeah, there. I'm
1: like right beside it, but I can't get into it. Like, and I'm rowing like a mad thing on the front of the boat. Like, it's a big boat to be rowing, but yeah,
2: eight
1: ton, yeah, eight ton, but I'm on it like a mad thing, rowing like a <laughs> just trying to get into land. I'm like, I'm so close, but I'm so far away, and I didn't want to ring a rescue service to tow me in that's not the way i wanted to arrive in ireland yeah you, you know want what to I arrive mean?
0: with pride coming yeah. back you know sails country. up yeah. like
1: you know so yeah. the wind came had the sails up and now it's the first time i think anyone would have came in and docked in a harbor in about a hundred years just by sail like you know on one so of these boats so talk to boats. me
0: about that um what why is it the first time 100 years why don't they come in with the sails up on one of these wooden boats anymore. what What is the reason now?
1: So it's very technically dangerous. To
0: come into a port with And it's, sails up. it's
1: something that you need to be highly skilled for. Yeah. So coming in, it's a lot of, you, you really need to be in touch with the wind and touch with your boat and in touch with the balance of the whole thing. Yeah. Because if not, the wind picks up in the last moment or the, the wind shifts or your boat's unbalanced, balance properly, you can either one, smash into a very expensive boat or smash up the whole harbour. Like anything can happen in tight spaces with a sailboat when you're working off wind. Yeah. So most people down the sails, when they're outside the harbour, turn on the engine and just engine in.
0: So when you were coming in, you were saying you were getting a standing ovation from fishing boats and that.
1: Yeah, that was in, when I came into Nori. So when, when I came into Nori I came down